Welcome to the Future Perfect Podcast, where we talk with compelling people breaking new ground in art, media, and entertainment. This podcast is produced by Future Perfect Studio, an extended reality studio creating immersive experiences for global audiences. Episodes are released every two weeks. Visit our website, futureperfect.studio, for more details. I'm Wayne Ashley, founder and creative director of Future Perfect. This week, we interviewed Team Rolfus, a real-time digital performance and image studio led by Sam and Andy Rolfus, specializing in figurative animation, VR puppetry, and mixed reality collage. They create works across multiple formats, including live stream improvisational comedy, live motion capture animation on large festival stages and underground rave bunkers, print design for fashion collections, album covers, and music videos. They have collaborated with Lady Gaga, Danny Elfman, Danielle Harl, Nike, Netflix, Adult Swim, and music festivals across the world. On June 4th, 2022, they will premiere their live 3D musical, Three to One Rule, at Carriage Works in Sydney, Australia. The work is being developed together with writer and net artist Jacob Bakula and artist-songwriter Lil Mariko. So I want to welcome you guys. Uh, I know we've been talking now for, I think, two years, um, and we've met finally. Um, and so it's really incredible to have you be part of this podcast. Um, Thank you for having us. You know, I first encountered your work as an online video in 2020, part of the Lunch Meat Festival of Electronic Music and Art based in Prague. I think it was just called Sam Rolfe's 360-degree AV experience. Something like that. I watched it on my Oculus. Uh, the work was so exhilarating, but also um, disconcerting and humorous <laughs> at the same time. Almost like a, like a fever dream, complete with moving walls, objects melting, spaces constantly changing sizes. Um, and extremely beautiful. Um, for me, the work exemplified this intriguing in-betweenness that you embrace. Um, part puppet show, I, there was something about it that reminded me of a theme park ride, sculpture, live performance, part gaming, part installation. And this makes absolute sense because you've been making experiences across media and genres for a very long time, you know, from experimental music to fashion, visual design, from music videos, and even an opera in the works. You were both originally trained in painting and fine art. How did you get from there to the work that you're doing now? Well, firstly, thank you, thank you for the kind words. Really appreciate that. Well, and, and it's a pleasure to be talking with you as always. We always have like the the most satisfying, refreshing conversations because 
we I feel like we we meet on a wave a, a, the same wavelength that like crosses across all these genres, but like absolutely un, unites in the core in this kind of performative way. That just yep. is, it's just more fun to talk about these things because it, because it gets to the heart of what we're up to rather than yep. just all about the tech and you know whatever all these things. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, well, I mean, Andy and I both come from a painting background. Um, Andy speak to his watercolor background you know my we were both from painting our, our mom was a painter we she ran a little 3d studio when we were kids um so we there were books love these big huge books of blender and 3ds max and stuff laying around but we didn't really get into that we did more like flash stuff um, yeah well and, we kind of got into it so it's it's semi-circular of a long path back to 3d because we start mm-hmm. we played around with that a little bit obviously played around with 2d a lot more um but yeah, our mom would have had like you know the first versions of Blender around 3ds Max books. We read about like musculature systems and wonder how how in the world people can like even set this stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, but a lot of more wireframes, which I, yeah. I you know I probably for Andy, but certainly for me, they were just, it was just kind of un- like we messed around with it a little bit. It was kind of just boring. It was like this feels like math. Like okay, yeah, this yeah. is cool, but I just want to make a cool race car. I don't want to like do math. A um, lot of math. Yeah, a lot of math. I mean, I remember making because I was like twelve or something, trying to make a sword in Blender, and it just being the most just taxing process. And like, it's a pretty linear shape, but it was just like for me, it's just like no, good goodbye. And so back yeah. went back to two D. I was like, I can just I can just play with this plane, this abstraction. This is mm-hmm. more fun. But what and, happens in terms of your training where suddenly you go, I think I need to leave painting and watercolor and I need to get into 3D. What is about these these 3D tools and, and game engines and design software that have become, as I understand it, some of the most significant tool sets environments for conceptualizing and building your work right now? Mm-hmm. What is that change? What happens where you go, this painting and watercolor is not working for me right now? I think, I mean, we had, let's see, I mean, I don't remember how I came across it, but I, I came across ZBrush, which is like a 3D sculpting program. You can kind of like mash things around like digital clay. And that was that was the big aha moment for me because it was like, you know, it, it, honestly, oftentimes to its detriment, it, it a lot of times it hides the kind of, you know, uh, mathy elements and you're just messing with things. And that's where it, it, it we found something that was actually that was in keeping with our painting background of like kind of semi improvisation or like you know kind of impressionistic sculptural things. Um, and it started with that. Uh, just kind of we started playing with that. Andy started playing more with uh, Maya and Blender and stuff as we we both slowly got into it just because it was like fun. Actually, because, I started uh, literally. So I I because I went through the whole watercolor track and I started up like semi pro photography. I actually went through photogrammetry and was like intrigued with that oh, right. world, and so as, as I was seeing Sam play around with ZBrush, I kind of got into it and kind of got jumped back because it's ZBrush, it's labyrinthine at best. Um, so I actually went back to 3ds Max as the first program program I reopened. It was just throwing scans in there, threw grass around, and just rendered that out. I was like, oh yeah, this is way this is really fun, and like they finally figured a few things out. And so, like, kind of re- sort of repro- like thinking, like, oh yeah, this this feels way better in a- with approaching like my two D stuff. Maybe there's a way to kind of collage that in. That's kind of was my slow path, and would play around with that stuff for like another year, year and a half. 
and this before was, I ended up going back to ZBrush, or two years actually before ZBrush, because I went to Cinema 4D before that. It's also this was in tandem with like the uh, the one of the well, I mean there have been there have been iterations before this, but uh, the like twenty twelve to twenty sixteen era of like. In, internet art, post-internet art, you know, three um, D artists, and th- those were a lot of people doing, like, kind of. Sh- they would make something kind of cludge together in Maya and make it shiny and spin around and stuff. And that stuff kind of that the the that era still exists to some extent these days. But like, it that was increasingly, at least in, especially in Chicago. A lot. Of, I was living in Chicago at the time. I just moved back from Austin after being there for an, a, a year after graduating art school. Um, and I was trying to, I was starting to do more show flyers and stuff like that. But it, I was trying to find whatever scene and a lot of really interesting, the, the glitch scene and like all this kind of weird post internet thing was, a lot of it was coming out of Chicago. You wouldn't know it because none of the people would actually like hang out in person, but a lot of it was coming out of Chicago. So I think partially it was that, like trying to, um, trying to engage with this new community, or at least what I thought was a new community and, and finding our, our kind of like, um, own perspective within that. And then realizing that like, oh, we can do, you know, because of our painting background, all these other people maybe have, were more in the digital art, in computer science, or they were in, you know, the, they were doing, I mean, they, they had, they had a um, gaming, they had an, un- or it was, it was Unity, but they had like an art game program at SAIC where I went to school. But I, I was so turned off by it because everybody was making these like white box gallery experiences and they were all the same. And I was like, this sucks. I'm not interested in this. This isn't fun. This doesn't look interesting. And so it took me, it, I mean, that was one reason I didn't get into Unreal until, I mean, I still got into it pretty early, but it, it took a while because I was still traumatized by having, <laughs> having to walk, virtually walk through all these terribly designed spaces. Um, so, Z, so yeah, the ZBrush and 3ds Max for us kind of was the start. And then I, Started doing. We did our first music video um, for this group, uh, Amnesia Scanner, and it was. I've been doing live, live. So with ZBrush, you can. It, it is functionally like real time. Like that's what's nice about this. Why you can sculpt it really quickly. Like in the in other programs, at least at the time, you would it would be a longer process to make a thing. But ZBrush, you can just like screw around and squish things around. And so I started um, using it as a live visual performance tool. I would we would. I would screen share. I would send it over to somebody using Resolume, my friend, um, who kind of taught me how to VJ. And we would do live visuals for shows while I'm screw, moving, squishing around. Char- I would make characters for every musician performing. I would. You can kind of rig them up. There's no real rigging in in uh, ZBrush, but you can kind of rig them to do this kind of posy thing. And so I managed to hide enough of the UI and set up the little rig thing so I could kind of make them bounce around like little marionettes, and you know, just doing tech stuff and layering and things like that. So. From there, um, I, I I got a bit of an understanding of real time performance, but it wasn't really real time. And then when I I, I ran, Amnesia Scanner kind of blew up on the internet, and I I don't typically we don't reach out to musicians like this, but I just like sent them an email. I you know they're very mysterious, very you know a lot of mystique. I didn't know where they were based. I sent them an email that was in like four different languages. I was like, please let's work together, and they responded to me. They're like, hey yeah we know your work. Like we should do something and. Um, so I spent like two months with with uh, an initial dev. I ended up getting a different dev, but like uh, trying out both Unity and Unreal, trying the same scene in both both uh, spaces to be like which is better. And it ended up being Unreal ended up being the being the one. And I, I got in contact with um, somehow a friend of a friend knew through the like DIY music scene um, knew this guy Eric Anderson who uh, was running a three story punk venue in Chicago called the Keep at the time and he basically we met and he was down 
and he had a prototype Oculus Rift. This is back in like 2015 or something like that. And I just went to this ven- like this DIY spot and then stayed there for like a week and we just banged out this crazy video and we used a the pro I just palmed the prototype Oculus headset to do the camera. There was there was no sequencer, there was no rendering in Unreal. This was all record and then I I, I we exported all the stuff. I took it to my painting mentor's place and uploaded it to his his like twelve year old daughter's gaming computer, and it took like twenty four hours for it to upload to like to like load on that computer, and then um, performed it there and just recorded it straight from the screen. And it was it it went well enough. It felt good enough that we kind of kept running with it for everything to come after that. Nice. Um, yeah. So in terms of music, your past works have a long dialogue with um, rave culture and mm-hmm. hyper pop and new forms of media that circulate on the internet. Tell us more about that dialogue and how it informs some of your current work. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, mean, Andy and I both have had um, dialogues with like other communities because I feel like I, I, maybe more so Andy than me, like you can, you can speak to it. Like, yeah, I I mean, I, a mixture of community is like, I mean, I was, I was just thinking for the last question of, I was kind of plugged into, or, or at least aware of like both vaporwave and glitch and kind of like in, the in-betweens of that, like the acerbic visuals along with like the, everyone kind of like realizing 3d is a little, a lot more approachable. And so, and like going, going through that route and appreciating that. And I, yeah, the communities, yeah, I've engaged with have definitely been, uh, bright, like various and scattered. So it's, it's a lot of, pulling things together and trying to figure out with, with what works because like a lot of the time, like up until recently, like not many of people, people like friends and people that I've known have like directly engaged with 3d or like have known about that. And I'll, but I'll talk to them about like just general concepts and like, like they'll be like, Oh yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and so it's like kind of exploring like, okay, like they, if they think this is cool, that's a general good direction because like I don't need to go into the weeds, I can just kind of like speak to this on a on general terms and not say like not necessarily like popularist terms, but something that can people can engage on on like a, a fundamental level. It's like okay, this is this is a good way to keep keep spreading out and like kind of engage things and try to engage, try to connect different communities to each other and see what kind of crazy stuff we can we can work up. And more recently, you've been you've been more active in 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 art. Art, artist, visual artist communities than I have, um, and to that point, like I've been more, I've been more interested in those those rave cultures. And they, I mean, it, you know, obviously, I, I'm I have a long career of DJing and producing from like I've been in the turntable scene and the glitch hop scene and the whatever you like uh, witch house scene, and uh, now it's hyper pop. Like it's, it all ends up being, I mean, and the through line is just uh, experimentalism. Basically, it's just like a certain amount of like interest in a new sound and those places and things that are hyperpop is an interesting use or like uh, illustration or use case or or thing to talk about because it's like this weird thing that this underground culture that i mean i guess this has happened all the time but like it's the most recent occurrence that i participated in where an underground organic culture somehow somehow was like made mainstream and 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 was not at the time at least initially not diluted immediately upon getting the mainstream it was like this weird sound that somehow a ton of people knew about um, and became a meme and became like a joke because of course it was going to be. But um, so watching, watching that dynamic was, was very interesting. But, but anyway, point being, um, yeah, I've got, I, 
we've had a long history with with different music scenes, both me performing as a DJ, but also us doing stage performances um, with, with them on big festival stages, mocap VR performances that are kind of accompaniments to their music. And then we've got, an, you know, like you mentioned, an, an opera and a kind of a 3D musical that are in the works right now. Um, and those are really extensions of the... I mean, but where it all started was album covers and then music videos and it kind of just being just participating in those communities and finding a way to, as visual artists, be be part of it uh, more than just fans, but actually like help shape the 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 ideas and and I don't know where where everything is going. What are the um, ideas? What are the ideas that you feel like you're shaping? Can you can you like what what's the content? What's the what's the substance of mm. what you're trying to shape right now? Well, right, uh, right now would be probably a different question than like historically, but like I mean, generally, I think um, we try and get in and maybe um, expand expand the the visual dynamic range, or like try and add a bit of you know um, with the a a place that a lot of experimental, especially music scenes, can go. It can be and it can end up very. I don't know. Um, there's there's a little bit of narrative, but it ends up being a lot about just like vibe and or just about the tech and just about the nerdy tech kind of esoterics and stuff like that. And I think we situate kind of in between the we can use all these like esoteric techy experimental things, but using it for a a hopefully compelling um, overarching narrative or something like that. Something that and I think that honestly it's kind of interesting to that uh, to bring up hyperpop because like in a way that world and the PC music world that preceded it was kind of an, ex- a, 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 an example of that, where they, take, they took an underground dance scene and then merged it with this like satirical, ironic take on pop music and then managed to like have that take on a more mainstream space, like be able to have a broader dialogue with people, do these like weird narratives that play with pop identities and... and um, but still are like deeply experimental and like you know avant-garde things in and of themselves. So I, I think typically we're trying to fit in that world. And and on that note, I've always appreciated at least I know it's a general note for PC music, but like Danny's Daniel Harl's note about like of just like and the idea of anyone can become a pop star mm-hmm. and like approaching it at that like like having like having talked to like everyone within that scene, like we know their references go deep and like can pull from a lot of things, um, especially like Danny's own very, very highly trained background. Um, and that's, you know, that's definitely a, a strong inspiration point, or at least and definitely a point of connection. One reason we get along with, get have like so many friends within that scene, along with us all just kind of like sharing um, different, like similar visions. But like the idea of, of uh, shared interest of like having, having fun with an idea and like, the idea of it being kind of generally open to people while also being able to be deep and like play around with things. So I think, I think that's on broad terms. I think there's a lot of, a lot of in the, in the specifics and the direct motivations that change up. I I think that's a lot of, a lot, a lot of crossover that happens. Well, yeah. And, and yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about like, I don't know, like performative, you know, whatever, you know, examples of that, of, of kind of like performative aspects of our work with using digital tools like a million times during this conversation. But like that, that's also, I don't know, 
again, in these electronic scenes, it, it ends up being, I don't know, it loses a certain like humanity to it. And I think a lot of it has been trying to reconnect to this like live in the moment feeling. And that, I think that's how it connects, you know, in people's heads a lot conceptually when right. people, yeah. like these dance cultures and stuff is that our, our work kind of is trying to hit the same subconscious uh, uh, feeling of being in the moment and ha- and and having all these things be 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 happening rather than some sort of I don't know con- con- contrived like tech demo construction or right. something. So, anyway. Especially nowadays, it's it's a it's a community and collective thinking of being like, oh yeah, I need to touch grass, and mm-hmm. somehow bringing that back to a digital thing. Like, okay, how can we make this be more physical? And we're taking that being. With our with with strong motivations and guiding lights, with like okay, theater performance, athletics, heavy physicality, like what can we really do? That's just like having our bodies fling around, often literally on the space, and have that cascade and become this whole uh, a deeper narrative that also has its own motivations of speaking to. Um, the community, or you know, whatever, we're, whatever our wherever our eyes are fixated at the moment, whether it's thinking, just social socializing in general, social media, life on digital, or of just um, community building, etc. So, talking about performance um, in front of a live audience is is like super central to you guys. Um, yeah, give us a sense of the infrastructure you need to build in order to create one of your dynamic real-time performances? How, how does it work compositionally, dramaturgically, mm-hmm. technically? You know, give us a sense of, of uh, as, a, as a process, um, what it takes to put together and create an, uh, a real-time dynamic performance in front mm-hmm. of a live audience. Yeah, I mean, so right, right now, um, one of our projects is this stage adaptation for this, this uh, short film, this bigger thing, um, Three to One Rule, that's going to debut in Australia in a month, and that's we're reimagining that we're, we're that one's going to be significantly more structured and and uh, and um, you know cr- uh, quality controlled beforehand, and rather than being like a like a crazy you know uh, thing where it's it's incredibly improvisational, but historically so. Oftentimes, the way that I'll structure it is that, um, well, e- well, oftentimes each show is um, purpose built to a certain extent. It, it like it's much like most of our uh, projects; they inherit, you know, worlds and characters and assets from previous projects, but they kind of build on each other. So, but in, in each one is kind of built a little bit differently. But structurally, um, oftentimes it'll be like, you know, we'll have a. A, a handful of characters that that we know need to need to be created, and but in terms of scenes uh, specifically, there might be like let's say nine different scenes um, in three different groups. Each different group has a different kind of like color tone or, or certain certain. Um, well, I guess each each one has their own dynamic range. Um, like so, there are moment there are purpose built little modular spaces that are set up with a character and a, a performance type. And a actually okay here let me backtrack. So each each scene, we'll we'll have a collection of scenes. They're all kind of like modular. They're all they're existing in the same world usually, uh, or at least half the show is. And then you move to the next one. Um, but each one has their own. It's kind of sh- set up for a specific type of camera shot and a specific type of motion capture or VR mechanic. Um, and usually we start with the most basic one, which is just like 
you know, a body like person on stage moves, the thing on the screen moves, and 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 you know uh, we were triggering a light live, basically establishing the ground reality for the performance, like uh, explaining, and we go and we go back periodically and do this throughout the show, but re- making sure that people uh, understand the live link between what's happening on stage, because once that's if that's broken ever, then you might as well just be playing clips. There's no point in in doing any of this live. Um, and so we do that, and then and then the next the next scene, the next uh, vignette that's set up is an expansion on that. So if the first one was one body, then there, there's maybe two, or there there's a body linked between two bodies, and and we're focused on the one that's that's you know ragdolled between them, and like the the motion of the two bodies creates the how the, the the central figure like bounces around or whatever. So it's like an abstraction of the the first one's input or or whatever. And then for example, um, you know, and another one could be. The difference, the distance between two of the performers' right hands controls the expression on this this gigantic head behind them, or, or something like that. And so their movements are going to be based on just like bringing those hands back and forth together, depending on what's working for the music. Um, and we but will before. Oh, sorry, interrupt. I'm just going to draw back. Like before, we kind of get into like designing the motion. We also go to like kind of figure out like okay, what's the arc of the performance? Like what's the energy? What what modes want to fit where? Like what. Like, do, is this going to be a soft moment? Where it's usually a soft moment because it's going to start in like you know crescendo. Uh, it's like okay, yeah, we have the one to one. What's the next one? Like okay, it's going to be we're going to be charged or you're going to be like more excitable. And from that is like okay, the the motivation is going to be it's going to be this you know building frenetic thing, this building tension. And from that, that's where we can get like okay, we'll we'll have the 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 performance of like the the mocap actors like torn between each other or. The, uh, building off other reactions from that, but like so, like charting out like this long, the long arc and mini arcs of the scene, and then being like, okay, what's here, what's there, and uh, not necessarily like we'll go back and forth in terms of figuring out like, um, you know, what fits where, sh- shuffle things around, but you know, trying to figure out the motion, then dropping things in and dialing things in, being like, okay, yeah, the the hands, the, we, let's just focus on the hands. It's gonna be a quiet moment. Like we'll have like that moment or like bring it back we'll have the, everything t- locked to the head and then moving with the body so it's going to be this insane chaotic moment we'll have the lights flashing based on like controls or uh based off the the, the uh keyboard uh, like slightly off the stage we'll have that tied directly to the actor that so that's can be just entirely motivated motivated by them um so i interrupt i just want to <laughs> get into like the general part as well well, sometimes that uh, so historically that has the 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 dynamics over the course of the show may or may not happen before we start building anything. Um, oftentimes it ends up we we're not able to meet with the musicians until like we get to whatever country we're going to, um, and then we get into a room and then we're like, okay, what's happening when? But prior to that, as we're setting these these modular scenes, each with their own kind of. Uh, you know, arc in terms of mechanics, and then arc in terms of um, scene dynamics. Like Tandy's, what Andy said, like some are quieter, some are more intense. Whatever um, we have, we have those laid out. We have a, a whole you know collection of things, um, and then it's plugging them in to an extent. And then, but a, a lot of times, because these are so typically improvisational, especially with some of the bands that that are like very improvisational, it's it's kind of like acting like a, a good DJ who is watching the audience, watching the musicians, listening watching the entire scene kind of happening and then deciding in the moment what is the right, where should we go next? Where, like, the, like what moment is this, wh- the moment we're in right now and the moment that 
past and the one that's coming, where where should we be performatively? Like out of all the tools we made to accomplish different things, um, performance wise, what's the right moment for now? And then we will hop over to that scene. And then and and you know, and a lot of times, you know, when when we're making music videos and stuff, we it kind of works this way too, where we will build. It's pretty planned out, but like we will build a the environment of VR, and then kind of feel feel out where the choreography through the scene is supposed to go. And maybe we'll play some obstacles based off of moments that need to happen, you know, 30 seconds in or whatever, depending on the track. But um, it's kind of a similar thing where you, once you are in it, once you're on stage, even no matter how much you planned, you, you, find, you end up finding the moments that uh, you could not have planned prior to that that are the most special usually. And that's where no matter how, like this, this big Australian debut of 3-2 and Roll is going to be pretty pretty regimented like we're gonna everything is very very planned but there's still gonna be a fair amount of it's all real time and it will still be a fair amount of um improvisation because we i would never want to cut out the potential for those kind of magical moments to have to happen um yeah so let me let me focus right now on three two one um it's a it, it this sounds like it's a very very important transitional project for you um where you're in control of the whole kind of narrative, the whole work. You're not in service of some other musicians. You're really, it's, it, it feels like it gets a major important kind of statement and a, an important process to go through. Um, it's going to debut in Australia at Carriage Works. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me where the title three to one comes from and give me a sense of what you're producing. Yeah. Um, well, three, two, and rule is is it's a project. Andy and I are both working on while we're out here at Zero Space. We're both work like we took the. It was time for us as a studio to do this anyway, but we're both. It, it also aligned with this residency we've got out here very perfectly. But so we're both working on um, like our own internal Team Rolfus fully projects, like you said. Um, mine, we've got the, the most of the full team on for the time being, but they they might hop to Andy's too at some point. Um, but. So three two one rule. The name comes from it's like a, it's like an IT um, or like just general like tech backup term for when 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 you're making a backup, you're supposed to have three backups. Well, I, I'm gonna get this wrong, but like one is local, one is on the cloud, and one is offsite or some, something like that. And it's a it's a so the the first thing that's gonna happen is the stage adaptation, but it's an adaptation of a short film, an eventual either hopefully feature film or playable thing. Um, that is like yeah, the, one of the major projects for us this year, and it's kind of a parody of it's it's a both a parody of like metaverse stuff and like the the contemporary moment and things like that, but but also a just a way to talk about memory and people's people's relationships and connections and history together on the internet and what it, what happens when you use uh, the the cloud you use platforms as like a prosthetic brain as a prosthetic memory where you're offloading these moments together. They're not only, not only just mediated by platforms, but they, they your, your memory of them and their, the, the whole like space that would be taken up on your brain previously is just all online. And in this like moment where there's just a t- constant torrent of information where you can barely keep up with anything, even if you've ever looked and like uh, if you've ever spent like three days trying to find an old game that you played back in the early 2000s or 90s and you just can't remember the name or like you're trying to remember a, a moment that you had with a friend that back like two platforms ago on like you know, wh- whatever it is and it's those are p- typically pretty th- those are relatively easy searches 
but even that can be very difficult. So, three to one rule kind of follows these um, gig economy workers who people post listings on on this app um, to to gather sense memory for them out of the this like metaversey space or whatever. Like I want to I want to remember it could be anything from like my, the my the best day I ever had to like the way my dad danced around when he made breakfast for us or whatever. And so they dive in and they do these kind of like parody, these kind of um, genre parody games to unlock the the the, the memory for them. And the, the conceit is that like an AI, obviously an AI could go and just like scan your brain or, or scan the internet and grab this stuff, but they can't, it, it could never recreate the the sensual, the sense, the senses that really make up the core of what, what a, a memory is. And so these like sense netters, these, these gig economy workers, the ones who kind of alchemically collage and and assemble these things together um for for their clients and so it lets us do we've historically done all these little uh, kind of parody narrative skits that like parody different whatever corporate things or different formats or games uh or you know music videos game genres all sorts of stuff so it's it's a way of taking this practice we've done for the last several years and putting into a much broader narrative that deals with things that are more long-lasting than just kind of in the moment like you know, um, I don't know, uh, discourse, uh, uh, you know, co- uh, topics or whatever. Um, yeah. So, uh, and, and then, and the stage show, so, so the stage show specifically is also serving the function of, we have done these, all, all sorts of, uh, accompaniments, these live stage shows for musicians where, you know, a, a talented friend of ours will bring us along or a festival will book us and put us together with a musician. And, where our stuff is, we are on stage with them. We are, you know, performing in the moment with them. We're not like behind a curtain. We're not like doing the VJ thing. Like we are, are artists in, in I, I would say, an equal on stage with them. But it's still historically been their show, and I think that it doesn't have to be like that. Um, you know, there are a lot of hurdles when it comes to booking shows where promoters just are not going to understand things that are not just a straight up music show. So the the stage adaptation served the dual function of Giving giving us something to an excuse to start building out everything for this broader narrative project, like really fast, and and to start developing this format that's closer to a musical or something where we each so each show this this first one debuting in, in Australia um, is with Lil Mariko, but the idea is that we would put this on all over the world and it could be any musician friend um, would would star in this role and it might be customized a little bit for them. But they could they could slot in as if you were playing one of the characters in a play or something like that. And there are moments where they just perform their songs. There are moments where there are there's narrative. There are these kind of you know moments in between. And it's it's if it goes well, this is this is our kind of pitch to, to for a new performance format that I think I think we are the best people to be doing it. But I think could be replicated elsewhere and could really vary up the the music performance world because I mean. I love I love music shows. I love venues. I love everything. I love playing them. I love going to them. I'm at them all the time. I'm sick of music shows. And like the format has hardly changed over the last it's even less. I swear to god like they were experimenting more with stuff like that 10 years ago and it's it's, it's there's not going anywhere. Um and there exists this potential to unite all these different um visual and sound and music and and narrative and things and it it takes a little more work but anyway, I think I think we might be the a good people to, to try it out. So that's what we'll be debuting in a month. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> You're working with writer and social network artist, Jacob Bacala. Mm-hmm. Um, 
tell me what he's bringing to the work. He's bringing, I mean, not only, so um, we were all, Andy, Andy and I and, and our team were working on this like now defunct Netflix uh, project that was like official fan fiction. Basically we were like throwing characters together and having them do crazy stuff. And we brought Jacob in cause he, he is, has had a whole career of, performing as bots on the internet or performing like see doing genre parody things that blow up and end up being very, very influential to just the format of, of platforms and how people, you know, do art and just the, yeah, all these satirical things that are really brilliant. And it went, it was really interesting. Um, and it was going really well, but of course, you know, we, there's too much red tape and the, the project got canceled, but we were talking afterwards. We were like, we have to do something with some kernel of this idea. And I, I said totally, but I, you know, we we've been we've been working on this game that has all these different ideas about like diving into the metaverse and like gathering things and we're working with musicians and like I've got a stage like there's all the stuff we want to do so I kind of I we kind of has to have something to do with that and he was like and and he had a project that we were starting to work on called skyscraper that was basically a, a project another project about jobs and about work um based in the, it was a kind of the sim city skyscraper thing um and he said okay uh, cool. I think I can do this. Let me go away for a few days, and I'll come back to you with with an idea. And he, the, what he came back with was ba- the base concept for three to one rule, and it just threaded the needle between stuff that Team Rolfus had already been working on for our game and for other stuff, stuff that we had been working on that, that I think was the really interesting thing about the the metaverse parody thing for this Netflix thing, and stuff that he had already been working on. Um, so what he's bringing is is. I mean, he and I work directly all the time on like the broader concepts and the story and where it goes and stuff. But like, he can churn out writing, like hilarious writing that is a mishmash of like different references for like online references from every generation, and like and, and can also kind of he's so conversant in that kind of dialogue that he can make it feel genuinely realistic for a near future thing that doesn't come off as like some sort of corny, you know, contrived, like, ah, in the future, we talk, we all say like one crazy word or whatever. Like he, it, it's, he's able to sit in this like incredibly online space that I feel like is very essential to the story. Um, and just generally knows how to fit everything together in a very yeah. really nice way and brought the emotion to the, to the project. You have a sense of what you want the audience to, to experience, what you want the audience to come away with, what kind of impact you want on them. I mean, it I, I get, it maybe varies a bit between the live show and the like the eventual short, and then maybe whatever the th- the, the final big thing is. But um, somewhere between, I would like I would like it to be reflective. I want it to be jarring but funny, and re- but reflective on where. On our our interrelation online and and what we, what we've given up in terms of community and and uh, interpersonal I don't know dialogue and memory and moments together how much are we sacrificing for platforms? That's good. I, I'm glad you're bringing this up because that's that's exactly where I want to go. You know, NFTs, cryptocurrency, Instagram, Spotify. I mean, would it be safe to say? obviously that you have a fraught relationship to these platforms. I mean, you've experimented in these spaces, you draw inspiration from these spaces, you post in these spaces <laughs> and simultaneously you're frustrated and critical of these spaces. You know, yeah. what, tell me, tell me more about the lack. I mean, it sounds like you're there and you're exploiting them. And at the same time, you're critical and, and, and they're fraught. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, you know, we're, we're participating in them because there is really no alternative 
I mean, it's, it's you know, platform platforms broadly it's just like platform capitalism. Wherever we are, like you know, that you whether or not. I mean, I have friends who are making their own um, alternative kind of distributed Web three based platforms, like people doing channel and people doing other projects, like more horizontalist lefty things here and there. But like they still have to promote promote it on platforms because that is just where all this stuff exists. And so, I mean, all of our so, uh, so much of our stuff, especially if it has any narrative, does have a platform critical element because it's just like I can't think of anything else to comment on it because it feels so absurd to be force fitting this art that we do that ha- that could take all so many different forms into a box that like a 1080 by 1080 box that lasts a minute long. Like even that, I mean, there's always been constraints to art, but just with the you know every artist is familiar with the dynamics of like. Just like the lack, it's you know, it's not a meritocracy. Like the, the 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 way the best stuff does not rise to the surface. The, the the platforms themselves do not promote things that are in in keeping with the value system of anybody with in their right minds. Like it promotes things that will do well on the platform for its own good. Um, and that I don't, I don't think that that is a healthy thing for for an artistic community or for an artist or for anything. And I think every most people recognize this to, to an extent. Um, and to an extent, I mean, critiquing it and putting it in my little skits uh, is just coping. It's just you know, it's have it's like acknowledging it, but then you know, I I only have so much ability to actually do anything about it. So it's also just like general frustration with with um, the moment we're in and and trying to the the trick is like speaking to that moment and then not getting too trapped in the Twitter style like riffing on the discourse of the day. Because um, that stuff will do better. It is incentivized because that does bet like the you know you will get better metrics and the platforms want that kind of momentary ephemeral thing. But then if you go back a week later, it doesn't hit the same. Um, so that's also a trap. Um, to to uh, so keep, having things be somehow engaging with the contemporary moment, acknowledge where we are right now and and like the the, the where what our relation is to these platforms and to the economy and to. How they have basically become the air we breathe. It's just it just exists everywhere. Doing that, and then also, how do you have it be something that lasts longer than ten minutes? Um, is is always a struggle artistically. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm I'm hearing in in all of our discussion that we haven't touched on the literal politics of the day. I mean, we haven't talked about Ukraine. We haven't talked about Russia. We haven't talked about the elections. We haven't talked about any of that. What's your relationship to that and and the work that you're doing? Something you avoid, something you engage, something you don't want to participate in. I don't know if it's, if it's bad to, uh, it's not, I don't think it's, it's trying to avoid the situation. I think, to our art, it speaks to. It's going to inherently speak to something else. I think, you know, there's there's ways to approach that. Um, I mean, to make specific pieces about that. But I think that um, Sam, you look like you have a different opinion. No, no, I was just thinking about it because I mean, I think our our work emerges from the. So, so my my politics is that all of the dis, the political discourse, at least between the conservative and liberal sphere, I. I don't give a shit about because it. The, I have no. My interest is in our like the working class relation to their to their power and like collective bargaining and like what we can do about it. Uh, all the other stuff, I don't have any. I like I have imp- opinions about imperialism and, and being against it and what and and I and what the U.S. should be doing abroad. But like, 
it's much closer. Like I think a, a much more um, tangible thing to engage with is like are these are union stuff, and that, and that's the kind of, and platform stuff yeah. stuff that is like really close is is feels more able to be talked about because I think it's a I mean or know, actionable. It's or actionable. Yeah, stuff stuff that's, that doesn't feel like beating beating the same drum. Like we're not we're not trying to be people of just doing like just modern day like uh, political cartoons or, or, or what right. have you. That's the it's momentary like that, discoursing I'm talking about. Where it's like, in, like yeah, oh, I'm gonna make an Elon thing. Like who cares? Yeah, that, that's just entirely. It, it feels far too ephemeral, and like there's a time and place for that, which is obviously with the the political art. Um, and I have done some stuff like I. I mean, I've yeah, thrown Zuckerberg yeah. and some shit, but like I, I don't know. I, I'd like to think that it. I don't know. I don't know if my was but I mean that's but. also a, a trying to keep things contemporary and with the keeping with a sense of immediacy. And I think there's also, I feel like we usually try to still tie things down to more not really universal, well, sort of universal because like working class issues are fairly universal outside of maybe the top one percent or what have you. Yeah. But like you know, speaking speaking to to the broader issues and. Yeah, speaking to, I don't know. I I know I kind of speak try to speak more to to the individual themselves, um, rather than trying to talk to political issues that will come and go all the time. Although even though, even if they don't <laughs> seem like they ever go away or stay away forever, or are going to stay away forever. I mean, I mean, they're they, also they're they, also they, symptoms of. Like it, you know, it like talking about the, the the news of the day and making art about the news of the day is both a symptom of a broader issue that very much is not the discourse in the mainstream the mainstream media or you know whatever however you want to phrase it, um, and also I, I like honestly I feel like uh, it's a not to not to sound like too much like a post left guy but it's a liberal trap to to uh, make your art about a a a, a uh, an issue that is like. Being discussed by the media that you have no control over, and it's because and I say it's a liberal trap in that it is a it, we it is a culture war fabrication that art can have a direct can change the world. Like if we make the best Disney movie, the most moral Disney movie, then everybody will be good. It ignores people's people's uh, relation to their labor and all these other things. But it's just like if we just make the, if we have no more bad villains who do problematic things on TV, then everybody's gonna be okay. And I I think that. A lot of artists end up in that trap, feeling the feeling the the um, the push to have to make work about things like this, both because it's incentivized by the platform, because again, it's the churn of the daily discourse you want to you have to, you're supposed to plug into, and just morally, they feel like there is this that like oh, I have to be saying something, and but it just goes. It's I'm sorry, I mean, and I'm not saying that my stuff is not cope because it probably because there's a left version of this that is just straight up just cope too, but it's like. Posting on Twitter, even if you're, like it's not doing anything, all all we are doing is it, we've all been trained to be cultural commentators. All we are doing is quote tweeting people endlessly while the same structural system continues. And so I just have no interest in participating in that. And and whenever I'm asked to like, I don't know, whenever I see friends getting locked in that, it's like I mean, if that's how you want to spend your time, but it seems like I don't I don't know. I mean, it's entertainment at the end of the day, and it's entertainment for some people. And my stuff is entertainment for lefty types, and and I'm not necessarily accomplishing anything more. But I at least think that the topics that I'm interested in maybe are more realistically accomplished. I I don't know. Whatever. Right. A lot of a lot of the stuff I usually look to just actual items. Like, okay, can my art 
do something. Like I was just, I just ha- made some artwork for the Queer Museum of Digital Art, which is part of web, like the whole Web three sphere. Like they're trying to fundraise, and sure. like I, and just say I'm I was like, not okay, talking about that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that like fundraising bad or anything like that. I know, I know. <laughs> just saying. Let me let me complete my thought. Go ahead. Um, so I made the work for Qmoda and like fundraising. Like okay, there's something. But like for stuff like Ukraine or like you know, like huge, huge issues. It's just like okay, I'm I'm just gonna donate or like help however I can. If I if sharing something might just help like connect one or two other people. I'm I'm aware of my my presence as a node within this whole network. So it's like all right, share this whatever. I'm I'm one of like a thousand, a thousand other people sharing this, but like. If three other people in my network didn't see this, cool. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, 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 if, if it's actionable, not if it's just like hot takes, unless it's a really, I don't know, even with hot takes, it's just still like whatever. Well, um, that, unless, that community building is also way more important than, than the, making art about it, honestly. Like the, the communities can make art and, and have that steer people in a certain direction and stuff, but like that kind of thing, what you're talking about, that's significantly more important than like if I even, like, I, just to like self roast a little bit. If I made the most like perfectly leftist like takedown of whatever, like that doesn't do accomplish anything either. So like making making these alternative structures, not to get into all like dual power talk, but like building community structures that exist outside as much as you can outside of these like platform capital dependent things, I think is the most important thing. Can I tell me what tell t- t- tell me the communities you're you're working specifically to um, working on to build. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm I have yet to start helping them really in, in a way that I can credit, get myself any credit. But like Jaded um, is a new organization. It's in some people from the Black Socialists in America, Zach Fox, a bunch of comedians have started this. Like, um, it's like a, a artist co-op. It's like a it's like a, a community. They're like getting a building a venue. They're going to be funding scripts. They're going to be they ha- they just debuted this podcast. They're doing like and, and that's and Black Socialists in America are also have all these other projects like dual power the dual power app which like helps give people tools for building co-ops and horizontalist things and like community structures that don't rely on that you know ideally don't rely on just like the basic finance finance capital um they are a great example of it's very new but like they're a great example of 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 something worth worth working with again the the art is almost like the art and the, the comedy and the stuff, the entertainment is like almost secondary. Like it's what arises out of it, but that is not what's making the change is that they are structuring this thing and coming together. That is the really important thing. Um, and then channel, um, I did some work for them. They're like a, a, a web three venture. I don't want to over explain their thing because I'm, I will probably do a bad job, but they're, it's kind of like, um, they're, uh, you know, they, they, they've done a lot of like capital platform, critical, Work podcast things like that are they're like a bunch of lefty artists and um, but and they will from time to time get shadow banned and they are still de- regardless of how de- critical they are of these platforms they're still dependent on them to a certain extent and to untether that in the same way that like people are tethered to their jobs because they can't get universal health care they like have to stay at the job for health care if they to give themselves a life raft or like a way to untether from that toxic situation um, they the the idea is that basically they're they're followers the people who have subscribed are like on the chain and so that can move to whatever platform it's not that you don't lose followers when you jump to somewhere else it's kind of it's a first step towards a a alternative um platform structure or like just an alternative community structure that does not rely on passing through 
AWS and Google and relying on this you know huge stack of just like a couple companies basically. So I, both of them, Channel and Jaded, are awesome examples, and I we we help great. where we can. It's great. No, this this really helps. It really fills in a whole other part of your practice that um, I'm learning to. I'm learning more about all the time. So I'm super excited to hear you talk about that. Um, I have this one last question. I know one of your ongoing struggles is to occupy a more expansive place in the <laughs> cultural landscape <laughs> and have more impact on larger audiences. I know you've struggled with this um, in terms of thinking of yourselves, at least in the past, as you know, being too esoteric or being too niche or being overly defined with one subculture or another. And I think you're, it sounds like you're trying to escape this. What's kept that from happening? And what are you doing now to change that? Um, yeah, so I mean, I think what, what, you're, what you're talking about is kind of a frustration that, that I've had. Not a frustration, but you know, we, we have, we've been successful making work for a, a, a number of different scattered communities that kind of understand they, they've lived broadly similar lives or at least have a similar like con- media consumption diet of certain type of art and music and and um, they maybe live in the city or something so they kind of get where you know if if we're because so often we're not being very explicit with the the dialogue and the narrative it's all you know it's abstracted and it's about the feeling and whatever to to understand that you kind of to really kind of understand it, understand it you kind of have to understand our references and contexts um, and then the further you get from that uh, shared contextual reference point the more it flattens out as if you're you're walking away from a sculpture it, the more it flattens out into trippy just like cool trippy like oh this is like a video game but it's all fucked up like that I don't want and um, also what I don't want is for us to. I don't want to stop talking to the to the people in our community. Obviously, um, and Andy's been doing a lot of amazing outreach for for other, uh, like artists in, in our community and about like work and working with them on things. My my interest broadly is just build under, starting to get an understanding of those contextual reference reference points, the stepping stones to understand understanding what we do and and strategies for making it more at, not necessarily palatable. Because I don't want pe- I don't necessarily want I want more people to be to even like it. I just want them more people to like get into it, or at least be have it be enough that it's not just like oh that's just some weird thing. Um, and that can be you know, I mean memes function like this where it's like I, I mean that that was a, a big thing for me to start understanding. It was like you don't create a new character for a meme. It doesn't make any sense because people people what you use is SpongeBob. You use somebody who's under a character that is understandable, and then you do a flip on it. You do some sort of you do your own fan fiction. I guess that's how fan fiction works too. Um, and so that you can and you can do incredibly weird, abstract, fucked up things with memes. Obviously, um, that's why it's the contemporary mode of art right now. Um, and so for people in our position who have come from traditional painting and performance and all these kind of like longer lasting things. How do we plug into the contemporary uh, cultural discourse in a way that doesn't strip, doesn't dilute it too much, makes it at least it sets up the stepping stones for people to start understanding it um, and is positioned and just cynically and by necessity is positioned in a way where more than, you know, a few thousand people will see it. Cause that's also another thing. Like we, we didn't really get too much into it, but like, as much as our interest is in music and music scenes, music worlds, it's also just like the art world has not really presented many opportunities to us in the traditional sense. And so you end up having to do this proxy art by 
piggybacking off of a musician who is in a field that is more contempor in a more contemporarily culturally ref- relevant scene. You have to piggyback off that and then like build your artwork on top of it. You you have the structure of the commerce and then it's like, okay, let me sneak in this thing that we've been wanting to do for our art. And that's been our practice. I mean, a- Andy's been yes. good about making his own work for his own sake. I have not been as good about that. But um, anyway, yeah, that's well. I mean, that's also a balance of of mental health of like doing personal work and allowing those ideas to grow versus just trying to have grow client ideas, which is usually limited unless you have very special clients. Um, but you have to do. But some, yeah, like, the speaking off of what Sam, speaking of what Sam mentioned, or going off of that, uh, yeah, like a lot of a lot of the pathways for broader acceptance seem to be largely like through music or like large media poles, tent poles. So or like, like tutorials okay, or something. How can we how can we engage this without diluting ourselves so much? How can we fit into this area without really just shaving off? all of the interesting parts of what our work is, which is why we've been trying to be slow and methodical about like, okay, how let's do music videos. This is a terrible way to make a living, but like, this is a good way to engage on a broader cultural level. So, I mean, we also got into it because of the love of music and friends sure. and a lot of other yes. stuff, but also it's like the other effect of being like, Oh yeah, this, this does like have a pathway. Um, into a broader cultural acceptance. And then we get the reactions like, oh, this is weird, trippy video game art. What's this? And it's like, oh, yeah, maybe we should, we could make it, dial it a little bit more, you know, uh, uh, connected or be able to be connected to a slightly broader populace. We don't want to make purely popularist work, but like, you know, general acceptance. So then, yeah, cause the, so then the work can slowly climb out and like be, you know, with a broader audience. Uh, beyond just all of our lovely friends in in the scenes that we that we know who who get it, and which is great. So look, if you could build anything, what would you want to build that's your own? And you could go in any direction that you'd want to go. Besides, I, I'm assuming that three to one is one of those projects. There's, yeah, that, is there something like... else that you, that you could see like developing purely in the Rolfa studio and owning it and developing it and touring it and being in control of it, what would that be in your um, fantasy? For me, all right, I'll go first and then Andy, you, you say yours. Mine is basically, 321 checks, like, like it's like, it, it's functionally like three different projects in, in one, but it checks like 90% of the boxes. The only other thing would be an executable, would be like a playable game thing, which has been the plan for this and we're just, it just ends up being a function of funding and distribution and stuff. So, because I do think that you know, get, get, talking about music and talking about these other media media that are more broadly accessible, just because that's just the way culture is shaken out commercially. Games are are a place that we really could be doing. Like we we make games already; they're just only games we can play. So, but that that is also a different. There, it is an order of magnitude more involved to make stuff that we like to make a game instead of a music video, even though we use a game engine. So. That's basically it. But three, two, one, three, two, one, uh, being being put on in thirty different cities across the world, and it being a playable thing and a short film that is checks enough of my boxes for the time being. There's more nice stuff, live stream, interactive comedy stuff that we've you know played with in the past. But um, that that's my that's my focus for the time being. Andy, nice. what's, what's yours? Andy, yeah, I think yeah, we're, we've been we've been both really honing in on what we actually want to do, which is yeah, why three, two, one is 
you know, very in line with Sam's vision. And I, I've kind of gone off uh, actually to, I actually was, because Sam and I, we both share the same vision of having, creating work that is very active, very, you know, like gestural stuff that people can like sink their teeth into. Um, but I've actually ended up in my process because a lot, a lot of my work for the last several years has been in service of the studio. So I've been kind of both rediscovering what my practice wants to be. And, um, like it's largely been figurative, but now I'm kind of like going back into figuring a few things out. So I've actually ended up developing this kind of more installation thing that also feeling like it's going to be, have like live stream elements and like potentially multiplayer if we can figure that out like like coming back to like something that's gonna be quiet and could be in a scene but ultimately can still be broadcasted out and interacted with people elsewhere so i think ultimately it's still creating things even if whether it's quiet like and can be personal or on stage it's going to be something that you can enjoy you know by yourself but also the potential of like with with other people, which is a very idealist way of like, it, it's just generally kind of like a breakdown. Like, oh, that's kind of what games do in general. Like, yeah, we're kind of taking those mechanics and just like abstracting and trying to, or like pulling that part out and like trying to make that, you know, more like you know an art piece, but also still worth like engaging with. Like something something that feels like, oh yeah, I got something out of this. It's not just like a walking simulator. I can. I can interact with the scene. I can touch grass virtually and have it feel like, you know, not actually touching grass, but still have it be experienced. So I think I'm still figuring stuff out, but still, still very much in line. And I mean, part of this installation came from me also going back to the roots of like trying to figure out, look, look at tools and like figure out new techniques for making something for performance. Like this actually started off as like a both installation and a performance tool set. Uh, which has now kind of like going into this more quieter zone. But it's like, okay, ultimately I do want to have also create these works that can be, you know, lead lead into larger performance pieces so we can work with them on stage. I have a I have it charted out already as like the first level is the animation, the second level being the installation, which I'm ironically focusing on. Then the third level being a performance. It's like allowing these things to breathe and live in multiple forms and then and then moving on not staying with this whole this one singular metaverse or whatever for too long i can just like here's a very fleshed out idea that's going to take me a while and then let's push let's move on let's have some meals that people can can enjoy um uh, through a ni- through a nice breadth and depth I mean, you've, you've caught us in a moment where, like, like, like you kind of said before, where the first time in a long time where we're doing our own thing, we have a space, we have, we're, mm. we're doing our, we're finding it, and I'm, I've been finding, I've been, I immediately put it towards a exist as I want to do, uh, put it towards a deadline and an existing thing that I had to do, and I'm just, we were figuring out as we went, and Andy is as he's want to do, finding it in a more. Healthy. Well, I have a deadline too. <laughs> well, you don't. No, for sure. For but sure. my deadline is the end of June, and yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a part of a larger exhibition. Yours yeah, is yeah. putting out a show in Australia. So yeah. But point point being, we're yeah we're we're finding ourselves artistically again right now, and putting in, it in, into practice. And it's honestly the conversations Fantastic. we have right now are so much more exciting. Like I end up dizzy after like a few hours of just like talking nice. story ideas. Um, where before it was just you know we were inspired, but it was client stuff at the end of the day. 
thank God for that. You know, Future Perfect is going through similar kinds of things of, you know, wanting to be in a space of owning our own work, of developing our work and being a part of our studio. So completely relate to what you're saying. Love it. Um, we have so many things in common. We have some really interesting overlapping between Rolfa Studio and Future Perfect. Um, very exciting. And I really can't wait to see your work and to have more conversations with both of you. Likewise. It really, Likewise. It, every single time, it's a pleasure. It really, it, it, you know, I get revitalized every time we get to chat about this stuff. Nice. Thank you so much for doing this. Very generous of you both. Our pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having Glad to do it. Later. 